Are you using your mini I'm, tablet as a coaster? Yes, my iPad is being a coaster right now, and I just realized that. <laughs> I question, It'll be fine. Yeah, It'll yeah. be fine. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Yay! Woohoo! I'm Wendy, um, one of your co-hosts, joined as always by my lovely, talented co-host, Melissa. And this week, our special guest is Cedius. Hello! Yay! Cedius is the Scotchbringer. Cedius yes. Scotchbringer. Now, we have read his questions on the show, and Indeed. both Melissa and I have been on Cedius's podcast. Well, well not yet. Ma- for ma- me. Melissa I- will be by the time this has gone live. Yes. Yeah, I have. Melissa will have been. Yes. Look at all the tenses there that I used correctly because I was an English teacher. I'm so tense. <laughs> and future perfect is that what that was <laughs> yes podcast perfect pot yes yes podcast perfect involves alcohol which is a great segue into um we're wandering away from our usual usual we are wandering away from our usual red wine tonight because cedius scotchbringer is our special guest which means he brings scotch because that's my move and, you know, if, if Matt Alex is going to go and give me a nickname like Scotchbringer, I, I suppose. Mm. I mean, it, okay, to be fair, it's not just Matt. I mean, it's the entire AON podcast because I've been on with him like four times and brought Scotch every time. I'm so, so. envious. I'm going to be on AON. AON is a pock... Uh, apropos, apropos of, of nothing. nothing. You Pardon haven't me. even been drinking yet. No, you? I've got apocalyptic in my brain. Yeah, apocalyptic I- and cheese. And cheese. Cheese. Oh, my God. If there's not cheese in the post-apocalyptic world, I don't know if I want to live. Cheese is a basic. I think I think we could... I think, yeah. I mean, and actually, you do really well with cheese because it's curdled milk and you're not going to have refrigeration probably. So, yeah. And it's a good source of protein with a lot of things you need. So, yes, you're right. Cheese, it, it, cheese would be in the Mad Max universe, so I'm down with that. All right. Okay. <clears throat> so anyway, um, to get back to the point, though, what did you bring us? Oh, um... Well, I, I, the first thing I poured, because being Scotch bringer, I can't just bring one. Um, I, I, I brought some of the Macallan 18 um, that we had on the show relatively recently to when we recorded this. I think Chad Dutton was our guest when we had the Macallan 18. If you need to, to cut yes. up a little bit of water, I did bring some Perrier, and I also just have a bottle of regular water, too. But mm. I'm a big fan of the Macallan. Macallan's one of my favorite scotches. It's just kind of a middle-of-the-strike zone... Solid scotch. Mm, it's it's fiery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the 18 is nice and warming. It's got nice sherry notes because it's finished in the sherry cask as the, the base Macallan line is. So, yeah, it's it's a good issue. Yeah. Um, because I have had the Macallan 18 recently myself, I, I am 
currently my drinking the um, Aberlore 16 year. Aberlore is good. That's been sitting around in my house for a while because it was on the pilot episode of my podcast, which was like two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And I still have this bottle because I've been saving it for time so I can si- savor it. So that's why I brought it. And we'll be sharing that probably after the Macallan with the uh, with the co-hosts here. Now, to be extra clear, what is your podcast? My podcast is Extreme Tasting Lead Scotch, which is at scotch.xtlpodcast.com. We kind of started it on a lark. I had been on AON for the first time at that point, um, came back and was in a scotch club with a couple of friends of mine from my LARPing days 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> because we weren't seeing each other very often, we decided we need an excuse to get together. So every six to eight weeks, we'd get together, each buy a bottle of scotch that we never had. The rules were had to be at least 10 years, had to be at least $40, and had to be a single malt. You nice. get lynched for bringing a blend, um, which accidentally happened once. Um, you, oh no, you lynched someone! <laughs> no, no. He enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> and we would take turns hosting, and whoever hosted would keep the bottles. Mm-hmm. So we would cycle through, and uh, I think it was halfway through our second round, I came back, said I'd been on the podcast, had a lot of fun, and, and one of my cohorts said, we should record this as a podcast and put it out there and let everyone know what we're drinking. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. So we had Matt come over and engineer our, our, our pilot show. And uh, two of two of the guys decided that the structure to make it uh, a podcast had changed the the feel of the get together enough that they didn't want to do it. Oh, um, wow. But uh, one of them decided that he would stick with it, and I think it was mostly because he figured he could get more scotch out of the deal. And <laughs> so he, uh, he he's still with me. Uh, we recorded the first season, the the two of us with uh, with guests. And one of those guests uh, we decided to invite on as a permanent co-host for season two. Um, so Perrin Klump joined us that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave Ravy was the, the longtime friend of mine who was my first co-host. So we've been, we've been doing this for a while now. We, we also um, have to admit that we are a spinoff of AON. We have their uh, original microphone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's just it. Podcasting is sort of the new social disease. Like... <laughs> You get on, you go on one person's podcast. You're like, this is super easy, super fun. I, I could podcast. And we've spread the disease too, because two of our guests uh, who are on uh, different shows had each suggested that they'd be interested in doing maybe a wine show, but not so much a Scott show. And after both of them suggested, I said, you two know each other already. Why don't you just do the wine show? And so they do. Um, and screw it, a yes. podcast about wine, yes. which yes. we totally have to get a Xanadu screw it. Yes. Oh yeah, that Don. Oh, and Mom would that love would that. be epic. <laughs> there would be so much drunk happening. Yes. I, I, I want to come just to watch that because that would be amazing. <laughs> also, CBS oh, yeah. brought us Summer's Bee Hard Apple Cider, which we all know my affinity for apple cider. So that is our chaser and. He's opening that for me now so that I can enjoy it as well because I don't need to drive first thing in the morning. Yeah, this this was a new cider. Well, okay, I don't know how new it is. It was a new-to-me cider when I went to a liquor store Hmm. um, next to a restaurant where I decided to randomly grab lunch one day. It's very light. It is very light. And and yet it is plenty alcoholic. It is very sweet. It is not nearly as dry as what I've been drinking lately. Yeah. Which makes me wonder how well this would make for a Johnny Jump Up with scotch. I do throw a lot of whiskey in my cider these days. Mm. So I might have to try that at some point. Mm. Possibly tonight.
All right. Okay. Our topic tonight. Yes, our topic finally. Tonight. Topic. Our topic. topic. Um, these are topics that were proposed by Cedius, and Melissa and I are super excited. As you know, we record to a night, so we're excited for both topics. You'll get the other one later. Like five um, weeks later, something like something that. Something like that. But Cedius proposed Disney movies, but specifically live action, urban fantasy, some sort of magical or unrealistic element Disney movies, and I am so down with that. Cause so, so it's it's like a certain era. It, a Disney of a certain era was cranking. Yeah, this like stuff this, out. the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. That, that, most 60s, of it is. There were some sixties, but yeah. Um, but Disney yeah. doesn't make live action family films the way they used to. I've I know I've mentioned it before. Like we got Swiss Family Robinson. Yep. and watched that, mm-hmm. and they just aren't making. Those nobody is, frankly, nobody is making those general PG, not PG, general audience, um, just family adventure films like they used to make. Now, if it's for everybody, it's animated. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're missing something, although they're going back to it now with the live action fairy tales. But I can't. Yeah, it's, I still it's, feel it's like there's different. Yeah, like we're missing something. But anyway, to get back on the actual topic. So. Uh, Cedius, tell us a little bit about why you picked this, or sure. maybe you just want to dive into one of the movies. Or... Well, it, it's a little of both, actually. The, where, where I came up with this is um, Melissa and I were sitting uh, over drinks after a vilification tennis show. Yeah, imagine um, that, we were drinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I had mentioned that I was looking to, to find a way to record with you guys, because I've been a, a listener from, from the beginning. But I'm not really as broadly based in movies. I'm, I'm probably much more of a TV consumer, and even then, not necessarily throughout all TV. But I've seen your wall of movies. You have seen my wall. I own a lot of things. I have watched a lot of the things I own. Not all. I have consumed a fair amount. So I mean, compared to the average viewer, but I know what Melissa's seen, and so I don't consider myself a movie expert in any way. <laughs> don't, don't compare That's, yourself. Admittedly, to me not, in okay. But I thought about it. It's like, well, growing up, I watched a shit ton of the Disney Channel, mm. and because of it being the Disney Channel in the '80s, I don't know how, what the Disney Channel is like now. But they used to show basically the same movies over and over again. Mm. Oh, much like HBO and Showtime when I grew up. And hey, Beastmasters on. on! Hey, Beastmasters on! Or the Beastmaster Channel. The Beastmaster Station. Yeah, TBS. TBS. So the Beastmaster um, Station. <laughs> so uh, I got to thinking. Well, I could do those, and then I got to thinking about the movies that came out in that time, and a lot of them kind of were in the same bucket. It was. It was urban stuff that had some sort of twist to it. Mostly fantasy, a couple of sci-fi, I might get to those, but I'm going to focus mostly on, on the, the mystical um, stuff in terms of what I'm going to bring up first. And it also coincides with Disney's quote-unquote dark period of like I, 74 to 85 where they did a I love lot that of... stuff. Yeah, and so like one of my favorite movies as a kid, which is completely outside the spectrum of, of the scope of this podcast, is The Black Hole. Yes. And... <laughs> That one's definitely sci-fi and not urban fantasy, but that was one that That's I watched a, a lot. Weird one. And and as a child, it scared me a little bit. Maximilian was just evil, and I loved it because I loved the bad guys. I still love the bad guys, and so the fact that that movie scared me a little bit was awesome. And so that that, that was a big big one. But yeah, there was a certain darkness to Disney films in that era. I mean, even look at Tron. Tron, Tron was kind of creepy in a lot of ways. Yeah, the, for it as. Yeah. 
as intentional as it was that it was this romp through a computer system, it's really kind of the start. I find oh. the OCP to be terrifying. Yeah. And um, Sark. Mm-hmm. Sark is, uh, yeah. A little the, M- M- the great MCP. David Warner. MCP, Master Control Program. Yeah, sorry. OCP is well, something we'll get into in the next episode, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So, so, sorry, I'm, I'm a little pedantic. I'm not Eric, but I'm... Oh. No, no, please. I usually get many things wrong. <laughs> no, and, um, and we usually just go romping off topic, so feel free to run us in. To, to, to run it back in, um, because of the age I was at the time, one of my all-time favorites within the Disney live-action urban fantasy is Escape to Witch Mountain. I know, yes! <laughs> I know, it's, it's, it's so, so good. Because Tony and Tia, I mean, when I started watching the movie, I was the age of, actually, I was a little bit younger than Tony and Tia. And so t- t- the concept of, I wish I could do that because that'd be so awesome. <laughs> um, and so it basically, you know, it's a couple of kids that we find out uh, were, were orphaned, or at least supposedly orphaned, and are coming to an age now that they're having flashbacks and memories to knowing that something was wrong and they're trying to find their way home, effectively. And they've got special powers. And, 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 is it Mr. Bolt? Yes, Bolt, Bolt is the, the bad guy that's chasing them, but Bolt's major henchman, and this is the big reason I wanted to start with this, this was my introduction to, as, as an actor, to Donald Pleasance. I know! <laughs> Donald and he's such, he's such a weaselly little character in that movie! He's wonderful when he plays a weasel. But, so, you have a very questionable questionably moral people who notice that Tony and Tia have some powers. And so they adopt them. Mm -hmm. And they're super wealthy, as these questionably moral people always are. And so this seems like a great thing for Tony and Tia, except they're pretty much just prisoners. But she's starting to have memories. And then they find the star map in her purse. And they're like, oh, we need to get to this place. And then they go... Romping off an adventure, and they they run into. Oh, uh, I, I know the character name is Jason O'Day. I don't I remember what his what the actor's is name it is. Buddy Epson? No. But no. No. Um, <laughs> my phone's over there. That, I will I will move my booze off of my iPad. That, so that, that did I that I did not think oh, to write down. God damn! It's okay. It's but, okay. Uh, we can fix this. We can fix this. And he's a. Grumpy old man who's driving around in an RV. Sad and sour, but then the kids help open his heart, and they have an adventure, and everything comes out all right. And there's a big super twist ending at the end. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's super awesome, and I don't even want to. Sp- I know the movie came out in the '70s, but if you've never seen it, you it's so good. Yeah, it's so delightful. And now the the thing that I noticed about it when I rewatched it recently was, and that I didn't notice as a kid, is that. Bolt was already into mysticism in terms of doing his stuff. He he had in, in the beginning of the movie before Tony and Tia arrive, he's got three different um mystics that like are consulting astrology and, and if you know the lingo, you know that's what they're talking about. If you don't, it's a little fuzzy, they're just his advisors. But so he he was already big into this, so the fact that he saw people and witnessed their powers in action over the screens that he had was all like, okay, this is this has gotta happen. Who, who? It was Eddie Albert. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie Albert. Also, Ray Meland as Aristotle Bolt. That's it. I'm like, and Bolt was somebody I love. It's Ray Meland. Oh, yeah. I adore Ray Meland. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie. Oh, yeah, it's now- a fun action film. It was super thrilling when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. 
and the way the story twists and turns and <gasps> now I, when I rewatched it, I, I recently had to have uh, a molar pulled because it was pushing in on on some other teeth, and so my my feel good since I'm stuck at home with a pain in my jaw was to watch Escape to Witch Mountain. So. <laughs> I was, it. It, was, it was good times. I own it. Love it. Did you see the remake with The Rock? I did not see the remake, uh, which Tony and Tia both uh, make a, a, a appearance they do. in. Yeah. yeah. I did watch it. It's, um, it's. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's kind of forgettable. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah. They they made Tony and Tia older. That was part of it. They made oh. them teens. They were going more for the teen market. It's eh. much more of an action film. Um, well, I imagine mean, the with rock, the rock in it. Yeah, but I mean, The Rock, I love The Rock. I Seriously. Who doesn't love The Rock? Ser- <clears throat> the Rock is much like Mark Wahlberg. I, you know what? I don't care how bad the movie is around you. I just kind of love you. <laughs> I just like watching you. You're just super fun. Yeah. Um, now, I did watch the sequel to Escape to Witch Mountain, which is Return from Witch Mountain, which amuses me greatly because it, the villains in that are Betty Davis and Christopher Lee. Yes, yes they are. <laughs> I was hoping you'd bring that up. It's so uh, sad because it's not nearly as good. It's just not as epic. It's no, so small. The, the the scope is much smaller. Uh, I I am amused somewhat um, at at the story of of the the really nice gang that Tia ends up hanging out with and constantly avoiding the truant officer, which. You know, used to be a thing, and truant officer. What's a truant officer now? Yeah. <laughs> and Do I so, still have a truant officer? I don't think so. Uh, no, not really. I, I mean, I, I haven't seen one in a long time. <laughs> but, you know, it's Christopher Lee being the mad scientist guy, and Betty Davis being the financial backer who just wants to make the money and therefore undermines the plan that could have actually worked. Betty Davis was sort of, between this and Watcher in the Woods, I she was kind of a. I don't think of Betty Davis and Disney films. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, no, it was the it was you know the latter half of her career, latter fifteen years of her career actually. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. How super great though! I mean, to get actors of that caliber in uh, what is a sadly limp script. Yeah. the The plot is Tony and Tia are coming off of Witch Mountain to go visit to, Jason. Yep, and to, to, to basically have a, a little adventure in the city and, and touch base with Jason, and they never make it to him. They're teenagers um, now. They, they are young teenagers, um, and Tony and Tia have a premonition about someone who is going to fall to their death if they don't intervene, um, and it's someone that Christopher Lee is manipulating, and so... Yeah, he's Tony, got a Tony mind gets, control device. Yeah. So Tony gets captured and has the mind control device implanted on him, and they're planning on using him to basically do some fundraising. <laughs> some illegal yeah. fundraising. Because Tony's powers are telekinetic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Tia's powers are telepathic. telepathic. And, well, they're both telekinetic, although Tony does it much more often and, and seems to have stronger powers, where Tia's tele- telepathy is the stronger. And she also has clairvoyance. Yes. Now, I a chance to look up those two actors to see what else they've done, because I couldn't think of anything. And had I thought about it more, I would have realized Whoa. that Tony is plays Scotty's nephew yes. Yes, in The Wrath of Gone. <laughs> he is and in I Star should have recognized that. I should yeah. have recognized that. The minute he popped up, my little um, teenage geek heart was like, oh, 
See, I was I was too young it's when Tony. I watched Witch Mountain and and then got into Star Trek. Now, I did watch both, but I didn't. I was too young to make those kind of connections. That oh yeah, people age and it that's the same guy. It helps if you're a young girl and you had a crush on the actor. Well, okay, there there could be that, and I I might have had a thing for Tia. She had great hair. Who, who now is on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Really? No, really? Yes, she's one of the Real Housewives. Oh my god, that's Kim Richards. Really? Yep. Huh. Oh, okay. That's a face I'm making. Yes, and that was my reaction, too. <laughs> wow. And I will take a drink to that face. I will, too. Yeah. Mm. Actually, Wendy had touched on the segue sort of into the next movie, and that Betty Davis was also in Watcher in the Woods, Yay! which is another urban fantasy. Now, this one is definitely in the Disney Dark period, <laughs> because <laughs> it's, I mean, both, all it's three of these technically work. It, it is. No, I don't consider... The Witch Mountain movies horror. They're, but, no, they're not horror. But though, Watcher in the Woods is a, is a fucking it, scary ghost story. It is horror. I love that in the 80s, it was acceptable to produce horror for children. Yes. And kids loved it. I loved it. Of course you did. We loved that shit when we're kids. Yeah. And, and the problem is that there was very little of it, so I ended up seeing shit like... Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which was <laughs> terrifying to my young brain, or Alien, which the, the was blob. Oh, yeah. I, I terrifying. remember the blob being scarier than it probably should have been for my age. Well, yeah. what, the, I, what ended the up the blob happening, did freak me out. What ended yeah. up happening is I ended up watching fifties sci-fi Them. quote horror <laughs> films because they were not nearly as frightening as you know the then modern horror films. That they were a lot more something I could wrap my brain. So around. side take, you love matinee. <laughs> Matinee is a great movie. Them is one of my one of the first like you know classic horror films I ever watched. My mom's like, hey, because this is a trope on the on this podcast. My mom's like, hey, them is on. We should watch it. What's them? Oh, you'll like it. Sit down. I'm like, giant ants, crazy. <laughs> but Watcher in the Woods. Watcher great, in the Woods. Great creepy film. Mm. Um starring Lynn Holly Johnson yes. of yes. Ice Castles fame. <laughs> What? Uh, Ice Castle's was her first film. Uh, and, and, and the segue will be related to her third film. So we'll, we'll win a little bit more Watcher in the Woods. Yeah. Um, I actually only just watched that for the first time. What did you think? Um, I thought that Lynn Holly Johnson was Lynn Holly Johnson, but I'll, I'll well, get to that in a minute. <laughs> but um, yeah, the story was really good. Um, I, 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 you know, since it's old, I'm not worried about spoilers here. Mm-hmm. Um. To give the, the rough story, so so Betty Davis owns a large country manor, and she's looking for renters. And Lynn Holly Johnson is the daughter of the family that lives there. Um, and they're only accepted because Lynn Holly's character, Jan, mm-hmm. uh, reminds Betty Davis of her lost daughter. Mm-hmm. And the lost daughter disappeared in a freak accident in, in the country chapel that is nearby, um, doing an initiation ritual with some friends. Mm-hmm. And basically it is... The daughter reaching out from the other dimension she's trapped in. It's to interdimensional. Jan. Yeah. yeah, and basically is giving Jan hints to help her come back. Mm-hmm. And it's got some good creepy moments, and there's lots well, of. You, and you don't know that it's interdimensional. It's no. just you're like, it's a ghost story. Not until the um, very end. It's a stalker film. Mm-hmm. It's a supernatural. Maybe she's got a poltergeist. We don't know. Mm-hmm. And then it's only as it. And then as she starts talking to the now old people who were there that night, because oh, it's been like 30 years. 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so these people are in their 40s and 50s now. 
And she's like trying to get them to talk about what happened, which they don't want to because it, it was... It freaked them the fuck out. It, yeah. yeah, it freaked them right the hell Cause, out. Because when we talk about vanish, we mean like disappeared into thin air while yes. people were watching, just gone. And But they don't want to admit that because then they'd be called crazy. But then mm-hmm. what happened to her and nobody knows. And so as she's tracking this down and she's getting sort of these psychic premonition so you're like well maybe she's in tune with the ghost world but then no it turns out that it's truly like total fucking sci-fi interdimensional shit and it's great (laughs) it is great yeah it was really i I really wish i would have watched it long before i did but i find hollyland johnson kind of annoying she's got (laughs) sort of a nasally annoying and she also over emotes she like I, I get that the scene is calling for her to be dramatic, but she takes it just that step too far. And it's not just in Watcher in the Woods. And here's where the segue is coming in. She was the Bond girl in For Your Eyes Only. She plays an ice skating. Yes, yeah, that's so, right. So she's one Did of the two Bond girls. That? I forgot that. about I've that. I've got a that, weird that, knowledge about Lynn Holly Johnson. That, 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 that's her third the, film. Wasn't she the one that was uncomfortably underage? Yes. Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. And so, because I have the associations with that character, because that's the only role I'd ever seen her in otherwise, it made it really easy to go, oh, she still makes me uncomfortable, and blah. But I'm going to use the segue as because she was a Bond girl. There was another Bond, not uh, Roger Moore, (laughs) who was in a Disney urban fantasy. This time it was Sean Connery, the first Bond. Before he was Bond, he was Michael, the replacement caretaker in Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, that's a beautiful segue, but I'm going to back you up because I'm not done with Watcher in the Woods. That's fair. Because I just need to share this little story. So Chris and I were talking because Teddy is six now, almost seven. And that means that she's right on this weird sort of developmental cusp that all kinds of movies are now within the scope of she would probably get those and enjoy those now. So it's like... Like Robin Hood, Star Wars, you know, all these classic Disney films, Escape to Witch Mountain, she would probably love. And then, so Chris and I were talking about it, he's like, ooh, Watcher in the Woods. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? That scared me, and I watched it when I was 40. But Darby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> that was one of, I, that was Sean one. Sean Connery when, sings, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. When, when, whenever, my bonnie Irish girl, I think it's the song. Um, that was one of my favorites as a kid. Although it also had a moment that scared the bejesus out of me towards the end with the banshee. Mm. Yeah, oh, the banshee mm-hmm. is terrifying. Banshee is to, very much like the uh, melting point. Nazis in Raiders of the Lost yes. Ark, which the melting Nazis did give me nightmares. It totally gave me nightmares, and I wasn't prone to nightmares. Like there were there were moments in my when I would wake up in the night, and I'm like, don't open your eyes, just don't open your eyes, because we all know now, Marion, don't look. Yes. Yeah. Close your eyes. Nazis melt. But but I think the reason I like Darby O'Gill so much is it was this camaraderie of one-uppance between Darby <laughs> and the King of the Leprechauns. And they were mm-hmm. constantly pranking each other and trying to get the better of each other. And they had this joyful, antagonistic relationship that I'm like, yes, yes, I like that. That, it, it, that speaks to me. It's very Irish. <laughs> Well, I didn't know that at the time because I was like no, but it's, seven, it's super eight delightful. I, this. I remember that like sort of the key dramatic moment is his daughter is going to die. Mm-hmm. His daughter and the love interest for his daughter is Sean Connery. So you understand where Sean Connery yes. comes in, in in this scenario. Sean Connery is not the star. He's a bit part. No, he, 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 he is. 
that Darby was the caretaker of whatever the property that needs the caretaking, and Connery's being brought in to replace him, and Darby's not liking this one bit, and in addition to not liking him for being his job replacement, he's got to think for his daughters, like, hell no. And so some of the, the leprechaun stuff is like, I'm going to mess with this guy. And so, And yeah. that's fun. So Darby's daughter is going to die, and Darby has wishes because he found the gold or something. He captured the, the king of the leprechaun. He captured the king of the leprechaun, so he gets certain buys, like three three wishes or something like that. Um I'm, now I'm starting to get confused with Finian's rainbow or some shit like that. Anyway, <laughs> and so he, and one of his last wish that he makes is, I want to take my daughter's place when death comes from her that he will take me instead. And so death comes like the banshee. The banshee, is the, the banshee is the herald and then death drives up in his coach and Darby and, gets in the coach. And the king of the leprechauns like appears next to him and they're having a little chat, blah, 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 the, blah. The, the final chat that they're going to be able to have. And he tricks Darby into making one more wish. He's like, you know, oh, oh, Darby, I wish I could be, I wish I could go with you. Yeah, I wish you could too. Oop, you made a fourth wish. That means all your wishes are now null and void. So you are no longer going with death, but death already came and he can't come back. So your daughter is safe and you're not going to die. So the king of the leprechauns totally did him a solid. Now, there was, the, I read that as one slight difference. There's one more level to that. And that is because death had to take someone that the leprechaun king goes with death. I don't think the Leprechaun King gets away with it. I think the Leprechaun King... Oh, God, it's been so long since I've watched it. I could could be be wrong, but that's how how we took it the last time I watched it, which admittedly was a while ago. Leprechauns don't die. To me, the story works that much better if the Leprechaun King sacrifices himself for his good friend Darby. I haven't watched it in so long. I'm willing to... I now want to rewatch it with that as an idea. So that he can watch his daughter be married and happy. And so that's... I think he wanted to give Darby closure on his family. Yeah, but he totally does him a solid. It's super sweet, actually. Yeah, pretty cool. And also, the leprechauns are presented through the magic of film as little tiny people. Yes. Which, anybody who has read The We Free Men, it's super enjoyable. And now <laughs> I, I want to go back and watch it just so I can imagine them saying, Ah, Crivens! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, lawyer! Whaley, whaley, whaley! No lawyers! Whaley, whaley, whaley! Don will like that. Don, Don and I get it. Okay. <laughs> Neither one of you have read the book, have you? Nope. Ah, uh, you do not. Oh, you just you just went. You're driving past my headlights, Woody. You're. <laughs> yeah, I'm overdriving the headlights. Well, I'm way out in the dark. Okay. Um, so okay. I got so, another. So, I got another so, Bond-related segue. Yes. Something wicked this way comes. Because <gasps> oh, yes. Jonathan Price was a villain. He was in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, which is Jonathan the second Pierce Bronson Bond. Oh, and, and something Price. wicked this way comes is amazing. First yes. off, it's one of my favorite Bradbury stories mm. ever. Mine too. Ever, yeah. ever, Because Fahrenheit yeah. 451 can die in a fire. See what I did there? Heresy. Uh, uh, I'm not no, a big fan. I, of I, well, see, my, my problem with Fahrenheit 451. I mean, I would probably like it more now as an adult. Mm-hmm. I had to read it in seventh grade for English. I wasn't ready for it yet. Okay. That's fair. And what they wanted us to do with it as an assignment, the class wasn't ready for yet. So it was kind of like, mm, so now I've kind of, I have this thing where my brain kind of hates the book, but I know I should give it another shot. The Trophone film is very interesting. I have seen the film. Yeah. But anyway, so something wicked this way comes. 
It's so great. Now we all know where the title comes from, right? Yeah, that that be Shakespeare. That be Shakespeare. And they even do a fuller line of it in the movie. Jason Robards at one point when he was confronting Dark in the library does by the pricking of my thumbs something that this way comes, and so if you hadn't known it then, you should know it at that point. Um, yeah, it's Jason Robards, it's Jonathan Price, it's a great cast, it's a great adaptation. Yeah. yeah. Pam Greer plays a, a minor role. Yes, yes. Not a speaking part, but she's there. Um, uh, and it's such a great story about oh. how kids desperately want to grow up. And how they just, they want to grow up so bad, and how once you're grown up you just want to be a kid again. And Mr. Dark is just fucking creepy as hell. Yeah, mm-hmm. oh. yeah I... I, I Identify as straight, I would fuck that man's voice. <laughs> that would have made the play that I saw very interesting. Yeah. So, dear listeners, when I was in London a couple weeks ago, I went to see Merchant of Venice at the Globe, as in Shakespeare's Globe Theater, and Jonathan Price was playing Shylock, <sighs> which was amazing. <sighs> yes, yes, it should be. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I wish I could have been there. And it was raining on the groundlings, so I felt very posh in my little seat. I rented a cushion for a pound, and I had a beer, and it was raining on everybody else, and I was so happy. Anyway, uh, so Jonathan Price is an amazing actor, and I love him in pretty much anything that he's in. And And if I had met him personally, I would have told him he's my favorite master. Uh (laughs) Yes. From Doctor Who. Yes. Which, and if you don't know where he played the master, look it up and go watch that. So anyway. I don't know. I might like um, Lick the Mirror Gorgeous better. He wasn't the master. He was Dr. Who. Oh, yeah. He was the doctor. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'm having a moment. I'm having a moment. Yeah. It's all all in the same thing. And they're all so so damn sexy. Yeah. They they really are. So anyway, something wicked this way comes. I, I, I love the way Price depicts that character you know part of it's just him and his just magnetism and the way he performs but also the way the film portrays that you know the that beautiful scene where he's opening his hands and the pictures of the boys are in his hands and just the way that character carries himself it's just beautifully done a taste of death so you know it again when it comes As, yeah, it's, wow. it's just, just beautiful. And the not, tattoo is the tattooed man in that one. No, illustrated man is that's a different. One. Yeah, that's different. But the I do remember the the lightning rod and yeah. and the way the wind shifts and and the carousel and the and, carousel and it's and the way the carnivals are fascinating and yet creepy and Price is so good because he's he's that carnival barker, but fucking satanic too and you're just oh yeah if if you have a hard on for dark carnival stuff the, this is good, the yeah. movie <laughs> so I, I i actually read the book and and watched it again the, and, and the it, book it, is it, wonderful it, isn't it oh, well bradbury adapted it himself yeah. which is why it's it's a really true adaptation i mean there's a few subtleties that the movie leaves out because you know there's certain things you can only do but well in a book disney but, made a movie about selling your soul to the devil yeah Mm-hmm. That that is probably one of the darkest things that Disney has done, and and it's you know the devil trying to take the souls of two children. I mean mm-hmm. it's woof. 
Yeah, it's between that and and uh, uh, black hole for darkness. You know. Well, Black Cauldron was in the same time period too. Yeah, I feel oh, yeah, like watch. One. I feel like uh, something in something wicked is way darker. I'm not decrying the black hole, but the black hole is so far in the future, so far in outer space. That, and yes, he's an unre- unremitting villain, but there's something so next door about something wicked that True. it becomes yeah. a lot more horrifying that you, you can picture it happening right next to you. Well, well, it almost has that David Lynch angle of this is happening in the midst of this kind of sweet pastoral Norman Rockwell Americana. Oh, yeah. And then you've got this dark carnival coming in you know, and the, dragging children off to hell. Well, the, well okay. It, yeah. Yes, the, 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 the story focuses around the children, but the, there's the minor characters that the children have interacted with for years that you see the dark sides of them that oh yeah so you have the 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 football hero who was wounded in the war and and lost a leg and therefore can't play who sees himself as whole and and there's that vanity and then there's oh yeah because there's the mirrors there's the mirror maid and then there's the teacher who used to be the hottest woman in town but now she's an old bitter maid and and so her vanity makes her young again but then she loses her sight and then you have the the man who's obsessed with money who wins and then it's a carnival and so he disappears and he's and his money is now gone. And so you know, yeah, there's a lot of monkey's paw going on. And then, there's, of... and then there's the man who tells all the fantastic stories about his conquest with women who walks in and gets the, 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 the belly dancers all around him and then all of a sudden he's the bearded lady. And it's it's, it's like Twin Peaks for kids. Yes. Yeah. 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 Only yeah. a lot more karmic. I feel like Twin Peaks was Weird for weird's sake. Yeah, it's yeah. it's more absurd, and everything that happens to these people in something wicked is that monkey's paw thing of you're not willing to be satisfied with your life now. You keep mm-hmm. pining right. for something you don't have. I'm going to give you what you think you want, and now you're going to fucking regret it. Mm-hmm. it. It's very EC Comics. Yeah. 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 And I actually love those kinds of dark stories yeah. because the moral is pay attention to where you are now. Mm-hmm. And don't pine for what you think you deserve. Something like that. Just be present right now. And that's, yeah. And uh, I remember in college, we had to do an oral interpretation class. And um, we did some, we did a section from Something Wicked This Way Comes. And we had Earl. <laughs> Earl was six foot two. And he was one of the most beautiful black men I've I've ever met. He was, I mean, and he had a bass voice. So you can imagine the fun we had with that. (laughs) Because then we're like, well, you're going to be Mr. Dark. Mm -hmm. FYI. (laughs) And then because it's oral interpretation, it's all about how you can use your voices to change. So we added lots of echoes of everything he said. And Mm -hmm. oh, it was so good. It was so good. So good. Anyway, I love that story. So if something wicked this way comes, you should totally watch it. Yeah, that that that's one that I, I hardly recommend. It's one one of my favorite movies from from that time frame. But I have one last Bond related segue. Ooh. But this one is segueing out a little bit from the urban fantasy and making it a little bit more urban sci fi urban ish. Uh, it, yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine, but it's all historical because it takes place, you know, in in, in the beginnings of, of World War Two, and that is the Rocketeer. Yay! Which we apparently has a history on this podcast. It, it has a dark and storied history. Well, <laughs> yes. maybe not dark, but drunk. It's a drunk and storied history. Drunk and storied. That's Ooh. the movie that sort of capped us not in... It, it ended the episode for us because we didn't end the episode. Um, oh, <laughs> oh, Rocketeer, though. Our oh, love yeah. of the Rocketeer is well known on this podcast. Jennifer Connelly is a 
fucking yes. luscious dessert in that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh shit! I mean, yeah. I mean this, this, this is fairly normal for Jennifer Connelly from everything I've seen. I mean, in Dark City, she's the same way. Mm-hmm. Even in Dark Water, she's something I drool over. But that's you know. yeah. But she's she's gone skinny now to yeah. where she's she's not as just. She's beloved. Yeah, she she was great. Yeah, Rocketeer is probably the height of those powers. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's still a fine actress. She's still a beautiful woman. Yeah. It's just, she was like the richest eclair or cream, you know, like a, yeah. A, a fluffy dessert of some yeah, sort. Yeah, some sort of just... She was a tasty and, Danish. And, and lots of cream topping on that, just mounds of it and two big mounds. Oh, and when, when she's in that white satin dress. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> With all the folds and the... Yeah. Excuse me, I'm going to have a moment. I am relentlessly (sighs) hetero, and I drool at her in that movie. Just, wow. (laughs) You're beautiful. Bill Campbell's in it. Yeah. And he's amazing. He's a lead. Uh, my first introduction to Billy Campbell as as, as an actor was uh, the, ama- the the episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, The Amazing Okana, where he plays <laughs> the the dashing Han Soloish type character who has been shuttling two teen lovers of worlds that don't really like each other uh, back and forth, and and the the princess of the one world or, or the the daughter of the prime minister, or whatever, is pregnant with the other one's child, and everyone thinks it's Okana's child, and it's. It's a whole big thing, but yeah, he's he's the smooth talking. Even Riker is like, "Dude, you're smooth. That's awesome." <laughs> Dude, you're good. Like, but also in the rector we have uh, Ellen Arkin, right? Yes. yes, and of course James Bond, Tim Timothy Dalton. Dalton. Yep, Timothy Dalton, which is the Living Daylights like, foreshadowing. I mentioned the, Timothy Dalton. He playing, plays a great villain, playing evil Errol Flynn. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yes, <laughs> if you know your classic films, you're like. Fucking Errol Flynn! It, and I it's love it! Evil Errol Flynn. Neville Sinclair. Yes. Neville Sinclair. And he's so perfect. Oh, yeah. He's got such a great sense of humor. I am enjoying yeah. his latter career now yeah. that he's not trying to be a movie star. Because, like, the voice acting he's doing in random things is always so delightful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just watched Hot Fuzz again. Yes, Hot and Fuzz is so a great. Yeah, he does a great turn in Hot Fuzz where his, his two Bond movies. Yes, part of it was the scripts were not. As solid as the previous ones. Yeah. But he did not make as good a Bond as he probably should have. I think he would have been an excellent Bond if given a better chance at yeah. it. Give, uh, given a director since... willing to embrace yeah. him and, as Bond. I feel like I think... those films were so apologetic in tone. And I think, sorry. I think what was... I mean, uh, he was saddled with what had happened in the Roger Moore era. Yeah. And the Living Daylights was very clearly a deliberate pull away from the later Roger Moore years. It was much less slapsticky. They were trying to turn back to the more serious, quote unquote, serious Bond movies. And um, I think they were halfway successful at that. It's just I that, actually like it. Yeah. I actually like. Wait, Love I really like Living Daylights. License to Kill is the one where it's basically it's just a revenge flick. Only it's James Bond in a revenge yeah. flick. I, mean, I actually yeah. like both of them for different reasons. Not yeah. wholly like it's like well, I like the, this these parts of this one, and I like these parts of this one, and and like if you put them together, it'd be ter- completely t- probably terrific in terms of like that was satisfying. But he only got two tries at it. Yeah, yeah. and he's a tremendous actor, but he just wasn't given enough time to hit a stride and not given good enough material. I, honestly, he's he, honest. He, he, he does. does so much twinkle. Oh yeah, he he does really well when he's given the opportunity to play subtleties. 
there's a, a TV miniseries from the late 70s called Centennial, mm-hmm. where he plays a British gentleman who has come over. He, he runs the Oregon Trail um, because he wants to write a book. And then later you see him coming back to the town where basically the story is taking place. Mm-hmm. And he establishes a ranch, and he does some underhanded stuff. And he's playing this yeah. upright guy with this underhanded dark side. And he does a really good job of playing the whole, I've got this face, but behind the face. Mm-hmm. So the Rocketeer is a, is a character that he's playing, and that is not that far from from the character he played in Centennial. Yes, it's, it's evil Errol Flynn versus just evil British guy. But... Um, <laughs> So much and, mustache and, twirling. And, and and because I'm a big fan of Centennial as a series, I, I watched that I don't know how many times. Rocketeer really, in addition to the fact that Rocketeer is just an amazing movie and it's got Jennifer Connelly as well, it, it, it's just a beautiful movie. If you've not seen it, go see Rocketeer. Oh, yeah. You and, don't even have to like the concept of like the quasi-steampunk of the guy with a jetpack. It, and, it's and a it, great movie. Howard Hughes shows up. Yes. And, Terry and, and it, it, it is a yes. love letter to like the sci-fi of the 1940s. <laughs> yeah. Really. It, it has that whole retro-futurism retro futurism to it. It's beautiful um it's directed by joan johnston who uh directed the uh first captain america movie oh yeah which had that wonderful 1940s nostalgia thing to it as well that explains a lot so i mean those two movies back to back make a lot of sense that'd be great um (laughs) and of course you know if you're not familiar with the comic book that the rocketeer was based on it's one of the most beautiful comic books i've ever seen it's uh the the artist was dave stevens and it was all this gorgeous artwork that was also all this retrofuturism and um the jenny character the one that jennifer connelly plays is clearly based on betty page and i mean it's just it's it's just <laughs> twist my arm I mean, yeah. yes um yes. yeah it's it's just beautiful um and also the rocketeer has uh one of the really great movie scores mm. and yeah. god was it is it Robert Shore who did it? But it, it's this wonderful, sumptuous, big orchestra movie score. Robert Howard. Robert, yeah, it yep. would it be Howard Shore. It, it might be any. It, it would be, be Howard, Howard Shore, Shore if it was indeed Howard Shore. Um, uh, all Cause, cast and crew. Cause I'm it, looking at it. That, that sort of rings a bell because I think when I was watching the credits, I'm like, huh. I'm sorry. James Horner. 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 James Horner. And Horner. I mixed the names up. Horner's, so I apologize. Horner did a bond or two, didn't he? I believe he did. Because uh, that, that name rings a bell. I'm sure I have a score. Well, yeah, James Horner has done so. a ton of stuff. I mean, he did Titanic and Avatar and Braveheart. And, you know, he also does... Hello, I do epics. He does epics. Did you want a large character epic? I could do did that. Did he do Dances you. with Wolves? Because I think he might have. That was... No, no, no. That was John Barry. That was the guy That was Barry. You're right. You're right. That was John Barry because he's the guy who did uh, James Bond. Yes. So, anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it all goes back that, to that was, that was side Yes, but did they have a flaming fire guitar? No, they did not. So, yeah, all your argument is invalid. All arguments invalid in the face of the flaming fire guitar. So now we begin set number two. That set number one was where I had nice little segues that went between things. Set number two now has their own subset of segues. Okay. Okay. And we're going to try to go through these quicker because seriously, we're on a roll. Are we? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So let us start with one that is mostly live action, but a little bit animated because there's a couple of those. And I'm going to let Wendy probably run fun on this one. Mary Poppins. <laughs> 
A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And by sugar, I mean alcohol. Okay, there. Uh, it is now um, legendary that sometimes I dress up as Mary Poppins at Convergence and go around and hit all the room parties and get drunk as Mary Poppins. I, I, I seem to recall you being in an opening sketch where Mary Poppins was imprisoned on a planet because she was trying to take over the world. Yes. Well, actually... The reason I have a Mary Poppins costume at all is because years and years ago, we did a sketch. Um, it was a survivor sketch. Okay. And it was the dungeon master was doing a survivor type of thing. And so we were pulling in like yeah. Pat was Xena, Tim was Neo, I was Mary Poppins. And it was a survivor yeah. scenario, right? And who was going to get... But you have a bag of holding. Yes, yeah. I did have a bag of holding, actually. Um, <laughs> it's bigger on the inside. It is big. Mary Poppins is a Time Lord. So that's yes. how I had the costume, and Tim knew that, which is why I ended up in a puppet sketch as Mary Poppins, who had tried to take over the world because uh, it could be more perfect. And that means that occasionally I just wear it and go out drinking at Convergence, and a drunk Mary Poppins is a thing to behold. But I will keep my eye open for this. <laughs> but to get back to the point, Mary Poppins... Is totally urban fantasy. It totally yeah. is. Yeah, and I think a good uh, a good case could be made for the entire movie is all about drug references. I think it could very easily be made that. Yes, it could. It yeah. really could. I actually agree that with makes that. saving Mr. Banks take on a whole new meaning, and it makes the penguin sequence make a lot more sense. It does. <laughs> the penguin sequence is very strange. I loved in Okay, we all know that I have a huge, huge soft spot for Robert and Richard Sherman, Bobby and Dick Sherman, the Sherman brothers who wrote all of the Disney classic music. Like mm-hmm. seriously, that era Disney musical. They wrote the music for it. And so there's that moment in Saving Mr. Banks where she she's like, they seduced me, their songs, those Sherman boys. And I'm like, I know, right? They do. That's what they do. Their songs are so fucking catchy. Yeah. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And supercalifragilisticexpialidocious and Mary Poppins step in time. Now, now, segue, this isn't an urban fantasy movie per se, but... One of my other favorite movies when I was a child watching the Disney Channel a lot was The Three Lives of Thomasina, which stars oh. the same two children. Yeah. Actually, the, those two children start in three Disney movies together. There's also The Gnome Mobile, which I've never oh actually God. seen. <laughs> that one does sound like a urban fantasy, but I've never seen it. I've never had an opportunity to, to watch it. Oh, that's, but, but that's, going children, deep, that's going deep down that, the rabbit hole. That's a hole. deep hole. Yeah. That's a... <sighs> wow. But yeah, Mary Poppins, yeah. I will tell you, Teddy loves it now. So, and so I feel like I'm doing my job right because, <laughs> because Julie Andrews. So she watches that and then she, I don't know if she's realized that's the same person who's the queen in the Princess Diaries. I might have to point that out to her. Oh. I don't even feel like we need to talk about Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins, boom, we all know. Seriously, Mary Poppins. <laughs> and and uh, Dick Van Dyke's accent is well. Oh my God, yeah. Dick Van Dyke's accent. Yes. So I am going to uh, segue using David Tomlinson. <laughs> to bed nods and broomsticks nicely done another well urban fantasy that well is partly animated mm. this one was one that was one of the secret pleasures of mine and the, because I have to say secret pleasure is because my mother bless her heart kept me away from absolutely everything that had too much particular occult mysticism in it as a child for instance I was not allowed to watch He-Man oh <gasps> 
I could not watch the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Was she, oh. was she like a religious No, she, she, well, okay. Was she a She was not a fundy. Here's the, here's the thing. She, she was raised Methodist, I, I think. Or she was raised Baptist and we went Methodist. I, we went to church in my early years. She played mm. guitar in, as part of the church thing. Some issues happened with the church and the pastor left and we followed the pastor because some of the other bullshit that was going on was whatever. So we went to another church and then round about age 10 or 11, I had a conversation with my mom that she says went slightly different than I remember. Basically, I said, hey, they're all hypocrites. I'm not going anymore. And she's like, you're right. That's how I see it. She said it was slightly different than that, but not too different from that. She's like, no, he's picking up on things. But she kept me away from everything occult because... Mm -hmm. Several reasons. Partly because I think we've got some weirdness in our family that if you believe in also, magic, we might have some magic. Um, okay. but also, there was the age of the Satan rituals and and kids being she also supposedly... Showed, she showed me mazes and monsters at an early age, too. So this is a whole other thing, but that's unrelated to this particular theme. But I thought I would mention that for the amusement. I knew I would get out of the two of you. Oh, yeah. um, so Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Hanks. So Bed Knobs and Broomsticks was a movie I had to sneak watching after the mm-hmm. first time we watched it. Because mom had no idea what it was either the first time we watched it. And she's like, oh my, no, 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 this, no. Especially it's Angela Lansbury. Which yeah. is why I was able to watch it, because we loved Murder She Wrote. And <laughs> Murder She Wrote, the court jester. Well, this is what I knew her from from the 80s, because we watched Murder She Wrote oh, on a regular basis. Have you seen the court jester? I have she's, not. She is so she's delightful. Beautiful. Like she, young Angela Lansbury. Oh no, I've seen pictures like she was diggity dang, yeah, or or even Gaslight. Oh, diggity dang, yeah, yeah. Or you know, just Mrs. Lovett. Mrs. Lovett, I would tap that. (laughs) But that that would be wild. If I woke up from it after, yeah, that'd be. Needless to say, uh, like I said, the first time I watched it, it was it was okay. But then at the end, she's like, "Oh no, I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this." So anytime after that, I wanted to watch it, I had to make sure she was nowhere near the television. But it's still a little dark. It is still a little dark. Because they're fighting off Nazis. Nazis. Nazis Cause, again. Because it's God damn Nazis. There's fucking Nazis, man. They're everywhere. They're even in a children's movie done by Disney. Um, <laughs> because Angela Lansbury has been taking a correspondence course in... Witchcraft. Witchcraft from David Tomlinson. <laughs> and as we know, uh, one of the things that happened in in Britain in World War II is that children were sort of shipped out of London because of... Um, the bombs. The, the Blitzkrieg. They were shipped out of London to go live in the countryside with so random also people. Also, the wardrobe and you know, lots yeah. of stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're shipped out to go live in this manor house with Angela Lansbury, these kids, and she's very odd, and she's looking for a very famous spell that will allow substitutionary locomotion. locomotion. Yes. And I know that because... It's a Sherman Brothers song, and they love... Substitutionary locomotion. <laughs> Substitutionary locomotion, come to me. I mean, the minute you sing it, you're like, oh, that's a fucking Sherman Brothers song, because they loved wordy songs. Mm-hmm. They loved them. And uh, so they f- finally figure out that, like, in one of the kids' cartoon children's books, that the king in this story has the spell. Yes, the, so, the, the, the king on the Isle of Nabubu has the the Star of Astaroth, and it has the five words that cast the substitutionary locomotion spell. So they and, have to jump into the story. Is this familiar at all? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, by using, and she casts the spell that controls it onto the bed knob. Bed knob. 
of their bed. So they're traveling by bed into a cartoon world. I'm really hoping that I can convince uh, Cinema Rex to show this for next year's theme for, for oh, travel. Yeah. Yes. How do we get there? Yeah. Bed. Yeah. We travel by bed. Yeah. But, sorry. Um, I, and I so then they go and they, they fi- eventually find it and they come back and they cast a spell and then substitutionary locomotion means that basically she brings... All of the all of the empty suits of armor to life, and they fight off the Nazis. Yeah, she, she, she animates suits of armor. Well, it's not just suits of armor. There, there, there's people in Revolutionary War garb. There's the suits of armor. There's uh, uh, Scotsmen in in traditional tartans. Yeah, because she's like types. her manor house is of course like a museum with lots of. No, there's guns. a museum in town That's where, where it. they get locked up by the Nazis. Um, so they're in the perfect place to. Forge an army. Isn't there a bomb in the front yard? There is a bomb in the front yard of yeah. the manor house where Tomlinson's character is staying. Ah, uh, okay. And he's staying there because the people who actually own the place ran the fuck away because there's a bomb in the front yard. <laughs> and Tomlinson's is an opportunist because he's a snake oil salesman, effectively. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, I'm going to stay here. And it was in those bookshelves that he found the the correspond the, the books okay. that he created the correspondence course out of. So It's a super cute little movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, I, I, I loved it. And my mom was like, oh, no, no, no. And the fact that I loved it that much more, I, I don't think I loved it because she disallowed it. But because she disallowed it, I had to like it more. Of course. And so it, it's a guilty pleasure for me even still, even though there's no reason for me to feel guilty about it anymore. <laughs> but it's still like every time I watch it, it's like, ha mom, I thumb my nose at you. Ha-ha, <laughs> knobs and broomsticks, this wholesome Disney classic. Except it is a little dark. It's a lot dark. It's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with the, the the fact that there's these you know septuagenarians defending the town because it's it's just the old people left, and so there's this old, you know, basically all the World War One veterans in their old uniforms and guns, and watching them march is kind of hilarious. It's it's an in joke in the film, but <laughs> and they're the ones who eventually at the end drive the Nazis off. But yeah, it it, it was pretty funny. What comes next? Yeah. One more David Tomlinson segue. Oh, oh, oh. The love bug. Because <laughs> yes, he is Thorndike. <gasps> oh my he, god! He, he's the advers- he is Dean Jones' adversary. Oh my god, he is. Oh. <laughs> it's been so long since I've it's seen the love so bug. It's been so long. Oh, Dean Jones, he was so. God bless him. See, what I love about Disney is they tended to like pick an actor and then they would put the actor on contract and they would do several movies. So Dean Jones was also in the Shaggy DA, which yeah. would also count for this, but I don't know really we want to spend too much time with it. But but the love bug was awesome because Herbie, I mean... Who didn't love Herbie? As a kid, I loved yeah. Herbie. Because mm-hmm. this, this is an animated car that's not Christine. Yeah. It's an animated car that's kind of bitchy. It's got a person there. It's got snark and sarcasm. He's got spunk. Yeah, he's got some... And it's a Volkswagen Beetle, which makes it that much cooler for some reason for me. I don't know why. We had a white Volkswagen Bug. And of course we called it Herbie when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. It was super... It was like, yay! We got Herbie! Yay! But basically the story of this is is Dean Jones is a, a race car driver who, to try to make ends meet, has been racing in demolition derbies with crap cars. As he's trying to get his, his life together, uh, he crashes his last car, so he's trying to find some cheap transportation. Um, he's walking downtown, sees a beautiful car in a showroom that uh, is also being uh, presided over by a beautiful pair of legs, with the love interest of the film. And so he goes in, and he meets Mr. Thorndike, who is insulted at the offer of uh, $80 for a fantastic car. 
uh, at this point, Jones is saying he'd love a cheap car, and Herbie comes out of the pack and kind of nudges his leg. And Dean Jones's character eventually takes this car home, and he starts racing it and finds out, because Herbie's got a mind of his own, he, he's got a lot of get-up-and-go, because he's got the spunk, and he wants to prove himself. So he's, you know, he starts winning races again, but it's Herbie winning the races, not Dean Jones. And Also, it's a Volkswagen bug. It's a Volkswagen bug. Winning... Speed races, races. yeah, <laughs> like against sports cars, which it's is hilarious. a beautifully hilarious. ridiculous visual. And and Buddy Hackett plays Dean Jones, Buddy mechanic. Slash, yeah, mechanic slash sidekick. And of course, this is my first introduction to Buddy Hackett, who's a you know comedic actor, and he's playing Tennessee Steinmetz, which is a hell of a name. That is a hell of a name. Personally, I it, I don't know whether or not Buddy Hackett has any Irish in him, but he's playing it's apparently a heavily Irish character. Uh, who spent some time in Tibet? Steinmetz. Steinmetz. The Irishman. Yeah. From Tibet. From no, he spent some time in Tibet. He wasn't from Tibet. He just spent some time I'm in Tibet. I'm just saying. There's all kinds of fucked up there. I get that. Um, but you know, it, it, it's this character who comes to understand that the car has soul, and and it, it, it's the car that's doing the things, and he has to try to convince Dean Jones' character of what's going on, and of course, there's the romantic subplot that's going on yeah. and, and most of the movie is the competition then between Dean Jones and David Tomlinson in, in the races they keep running and then the last third of the movie, literally a third mm-hmm. of the movie is the final race, the Eldorado yeah. and lots of things happen to Herbie but of course our heroes win and, and, and Herbie, Herbie goes on and Herbie is awesome and they made tons of and sequels. they made tons of sequels and, uh, Herbie goes to Monte Carlo Her- I loved that one <laughs> Now, now, Herbie was not the first movie that they that they sequelized. It was like the, only the third. But Disney hadn't done a lot of Disney hadn't caught sequelitis yet. Yeah. So Herbie was one of the first sequels they did. Escape and Return to Witch Mountain were actually fairly early on in Disney's sequel stuff. But the first sequel to The Love Bug was Herbie Rides Again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which has Helen Hayes playing a Steinmetz as well, which is I think the aunt of. Buddy Hackett's character. Helen Hayes. And the only two things, well, two and a half, three things, that are common between the two are Herbie, Helen Hayes as a Steinmetz, so there's, so there's there's that relationship, that's the half relationship, and then the location, the the, the fire, the old firehouse that was the, the home. I remember this one, though. She, it's was, an old woman racing a car, which mm-hmm. is hilarious. Uh, she's the old woman who actually is trying to defend her property against the tycoon who's trying to take the property. Ken Barry is the one who ends up driving the car. But I remember she, her in, like, a helmet. I, like, I, I am not, God, there I are so many sequels. I am not having that memory. Stephanie Powers is the love interest of Ken Stephanie Barry. Stephanie Powers! <laughs> Heart to Heart. Heart. Yep, that, 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 that's my memory of her. Because my mom was a huge fan of Heart to Heart. Robert Heart, Wagner. Heart, Heart to Heart. Yeah. And, um, God, what was the one with the um, the, the model that was also the spy? Um, Close. Cover. Cover up. Cover up. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, 80, shitty 80s TV. Th- Talk th- to th- me. Those two shows back to back were things. Where I was much more a Remington Steel guy. So then when. <laughs> Remington Steel, totally. So, so then when Pierce became Bond, I was like, I'm there. I told oh, yeah. him. I told oh, him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, I'm like, it's about goddamn time. He's and, and Stephanie Zimbalist was was not unattractive to me in my early years. No, so she's was... she's okay. Yeah. So, but but um, but before we move on, I should note I was driving through Southern Illinois once, 
And I have this app on my phone called Roadside America where I can go, hey, I'm here, use my GPS location and find all the crazy tourist shit around me. Like the, you know, giant statue of a fish sort of level of tourism. And it told me that one of the cars, that the alligator car from Death Race 2000 (gasps) was in a museum like five miles away from me in southern Illinois, middle of nowhere, southern Illinois. And I go there. And it's basically a Corvette museum. It's beautiful. And, of course, the Death Race 2000 alligator car is there. And I go, ah, and I take a bunch of photos. I love photographing cars. But also there, Uh which wasn't mentioned by the app, were like eight of the Herbie stunt cars. Are you shitting me? Like the the ones that were individually made for individual stunts. Like this one did circles around like this. And this one tipped over and went sideways. And this one did this. Well, yeah, they would probably have to have dedicated cars for each of those yeah. stunts. Yeah, oh, they might awesome. they might be able to do one or two stunts, but yeah, Her- Her- yeah. Herbie was the, the the precursor of Disney catching sequelitis. Yeah, because it has the love bug, and then it has Herbie rides again, and then there's Herbie goes bananas, goes bananas, and then Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Yeah, and so and then there's then the remake of the love bug that was done with Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan, yeah. Poor girl. So, yeah. Yeah, that poor poor young lady. But to get back to the point, I need that app. Holy shit. Oh, it's great. It's great. I Everybody need that app. needs that app. If you do if you do road trips, you need the Roadside America app. It's totally good. you you get one region of the US for free. If you pay 6.99 a year, you get the entire US. It is totally worth it. It is a data gold mine. I have found so many awesome things because of it. What, what's next? What's yeah. next? Well, since we're probably nearing the end of the time for this episode, I'm going to double segue into one last film. Okay, wait. Okay. I have to side uh, note. Unless you Dean think Jones, there's more time. Um, for musical fans, he was the original Bobby and Company. Thank you. Done. What, okay, what, didn't, didn't he have, like, the really white teeth? The he big did. smile? He did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to... This is the double segue. From double segue. Two movies I've previously mentioned. From Herbie Rides Again, we have Ken Berry... And from Bedhouse and Broomsticks, I failed to mention Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell is totally in there, yes. That's yes. right. Oh my God. The two of them star together in The Cat from Outer Space. <laughs> the Cat from Outer Space! I loved that movie. It was so real. I remember seeing trailers when I was a kid. I would go to see movies with my grandma. Needless to say, this passes down through the female line in my family. My grandma took me a lot. She took me to see Labyrinth. Right. Yeah. And I remember seeing trailers for The Cat from Outer Space and being like, I totally want to see that. I want to see The Cat from Outer Space. It has a glowing collar and the cat talks. Why wouldn't I want to see that? I want to see this movie. I remember even as a child going, this isn't very good, but the cat is from outer space. I like it. Well, okay. okay. So I, I, I wrote down... Catherine Outer Space, it kind of has a star-studded cast for what it was, because, okay, Ken yeah. Berry probably wasn't very big. I know Ken Berry from Mama's Family, because that's the era in which I grew up. Well, yeah. Um, Sandy Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Morgan. Yay! And McLean Stevenson, both of MASH fame. Yeah. Yep. 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 Along with Roddy McDowell. And so... It's the, a hell of a cast. It really. was a hell of a cast for... What the... We're, what? we're really what the hell movie. Yes. You you can sell me anything with Roddy McDowell. You really can. Yeah. Yeah. Roddy McDowell is sort of Which is why I and, and as a fan of the of, of the podcast, I knew no, 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 to be no. certain to bring him up since he yes. was in a couple of the movies. <laughs> yes. Okay, no, Roddy McDowell is not the proto Mark Wahlberg. Roddy McDowell is the proto Stanley Tucci. Mm, yes. Yes. 
Mark yes. quality. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. So, I mean, I've got a couple of other movies on the list that I don't want to get into too much, but the, but the things that I noted. Um, Flight of the Navigator was a big thing for me. <laughs> yes! And a very early role for Sarah Jessica Parker. I didn't realize it was her until I looked it up on IMDb today. She plays, <laughs> she plays the nurse. Yeah. Holy shit. I, I didn't realize that. She's the yeah. one who says, Twisted Sister. It's like, is that a bad accent? Is, is that a she? Actually, it's a them. Like, I remember some, like, yeah. lines from this. And, of course, Paul Rubens was the voice of, of yeah. the uh, Max, um, who was the, the spaceship. I, uh, I, I visited... That's the only line I, from, oh. I remember from that movie. You leaked. Yes. Uh, I remember touring one of the Disney backlots once upon a time. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, somebody pointed over. It's like, oh, yeah, Flame the Navigator ship's over there. It's like... Oh shit! There it is. That'd be neat. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just sitting out there in the weather and kind of rusty. I'm like, oh, it's kind of sad. Oh, look at that! It's like you should put that under a tarp or something. Now, did it have the two versions, or was it just the was it the clamshell, or was it the, like the? Sleek, it, it was just the version. clamshell. Okay, was, I liked the clamshell better. I kind of like the sleek, speedy version. Of course, you, you're a man. Of course, well, you. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, what's weird? I don't usually like sports cars, but I, I did like the sleek version. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, okay. Two, two other things I want to mention, because we were talking about them and Matinee earlier and the big ants. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yay! Uh-huh. The best playground ever. Yeah. Have you been to the Disney World playground? I have not been to Disney It's a anything. fucking amazing playground. It's a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids playground, so there's like giant Cheerios and shit. It's awesome. <laughs> giant shit? Well. In yeah. shit being the more metaphorical and, and stuff. Things. Yeah. Things and stuff. There, oh yeah. my god, there probably would be giant dog poop. There probably would be. You, don't, you don't want to live in the Honey, uh, I Shrunk the Kids universe, really. Not really. No. no. And, and, and I do have a fun additional segue from the love bug in Joe Flynn, who was the sidekick of David Tomlinson's character, Havishaw. He's also in the computer war tennis shoes with Kurt Russell. Yee! Because Kurt Russell did three Disney films. Oh, yeah. he was a he was a Disney star. He was yeah. the Lin- yeah. he was a Lindsay Lohan. He was a Ryan Gosling. He he was one of the few child actors to make it good as an adult. And, yeah, and not get all fucked up the, in the end. The only two that I can remember off the cuff are the Computer War Tennis Shoes and the Barefoot Executive. I don't remember what the third one he did was, but mm-hmm. I know there were three big films that he did with Disney. Now the fun thing about <sighs> Computer War Tennis Shoes is it's in the same universe mm-hmm. as Absent-Minded Professor. It's the same school. <laughs> yes. Yes, awesome. I didn't know that. And so that that's a fun little thing, is the absent-minded professor and um, Son of Flubber are both in that. And I think there's at least one other one that takes place in the same universe. That It's another Tommy Kirk movie. Because Tommy Kirk is another one of those stars that was in a bunch of Disney films, like um, Swiss Family Robinson and Old Yeller, but you know, kind of outside. Old so Yeller, share, so. oh man. <laughs> but yeah, to bring back the whole, Disney used to do this kind of family film and they don't so much anymore. Like Old Yeller, Swiss Family Robinson, Island of the Top of the World, those were kind of all things I grew up with. And they're just, they don't, instead you've got High School Musical and the, and the Hannah Montana movie, and I'm like, I don't care. So, so for the last time, I say I'm going to say the last movie. I want to bring up for the subject. Okay. Um, and it, it, it's also been remade recently, again, with Lindsay Lohan. Uh, but the original version was Jodie Foster and Barbara Harris, Freaky Friday. Yes, Yay! it's such a fun movie. That was. And that was, that was one I used to watch and, and love Jody a lot as a kid. Foster. Back when Jodie Foster was a Disney star. Candleshoe was the big one that, that that I loved her for, but Candleshoe was super great. Can- Candleshoe. I had a memory of Candleshoe for the longest time, and finally we rented it and showed it to Teddy just so no, I Helen could Hayes watch film. it. Helen Hayes and Larry Niven. David Niven. David Niven. David Niven is super enjoyable in that because yeah. due to all the several characters he's playing. Yeah, he's playing all these different characters to try. What to was hide David Niven doing his best? Peter Sellers. <laughs> oh, 
it's hilarious. Wasn't there also like an early 90s version with Jamie Lee Curtis? That is the one with Lindsay Lohan. It is? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, she plays the Barbara Harris character. Oh. The mom. Yeah. See, I remember Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Not Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, no. Whereas okay. from the original, you remember Jodie Foster. Yeah. Right. Not so much the mother. Although if you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, the mother. It's that actress that you saw in films at this time. So this is the whole, my life sucks. No, my life sucks. And they switch. And they like, oh my God, your life sucks. Kind of, it's like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's that whole children want to grow up and parents want to be children. Well, no, you don't really once you live it yeah. again. Appreciate not... where you are. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. seriously, people appreciate where you are. Wow. So I, I don't think it's any secret to anybody who'd be listening to this podcast that, of course, there's a big kerfluffle right now with Disney completely, like, screwing the pooch on the Marvel Universe female characters because, quote, yes. they already have the female market locked down with princesses. princesses. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? You're right. You do have the princess market locked down, but what you don't have not locked down is the other girls who don't want to fucking be princesses or maybe they want to be a princess while also being a superhero. Well, Brave did a decent being, job of that, but... Yeah, but while also being a pirate, while also doing something else. And I feel like these movies, these types of movies, would be so fantastic. Yeah. I mean, if they would start making, you know, get out, get away from your your wheelhouse of fairy tales and tell me an adventure story. Tell me one of these types of stories again. I mean, they've proven that people will go see fantasy stories. That's all a superhero comic really is, is a fantasy. Right. So tell me a fantasy story. A a real one with real people in the modern setting. Tell me a Freaky Friday for our generation. Mm -hmm. Only not Freaky Friday because we've already had that movie twice. Yeah. Okay, so let's wrap wrap this up, though. Yeah, so... Seriously, because you two have trapped me here and the entire podcast. I'm aware that my phone is over there, and (laughs) I have never been so separated from my phone in the last (laughs) month, and I'm I'm seriously having some problems here. So I want to end this episode so I can go to the bathroom and get my phone. True fact. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Wait, do we have any listener questions? We, we don't really. Um, um, but what we, we need... should do, what we should do is remind our listeners, uh, you can go to our website and uh, there is a button that says answer our questions. And you can go there and you can click the answer our questions and you can answer our questions. And don't worry, they're very easy. Yeah, do yeah. what I did. Yeah. Answer those questions. Totally. We need he... to ask him our questions. Well, he, I'm not he's already answered well, our I've questions. Answered the questions. Yeah, but now he's in person. Well, you know, okay, so what can you add to your what pleasure can, dome? What, what, what can I well, add? What to, can we, you add to okay, our pleasure Okay, so dome? what we're going to do is we're going to segue then into our, what is, we have some, every week we would like to offer a pleasure dome recommendation, like yeah. something that has made you happy recently. So, Cedius, mm. what is your pleasure dome recommendation? Oh, geez, what has made me happy recently? Well, I, I, if you have not yet seen Age of Ultron, what the fuck is wrong with you? Go see that. Um, and apparently Fury Road also falls into that now category. No, that's mine. Oh, well, well, okay, fine. And I was going to call this on that. Well, okay. <laughs> well, both of them say you should go see it, so I guess it's unanimous. Um, oh, geez, a Pleasure Dome recommendation that I have not already said. Just go check out a lot of the Disney stuff from like 75 to 85, because a lot of it's just a little bit off from what you expect from Disney. I mean, Dragon Slayer is in that period of time. Black Hole is in that period of time. I think Island at the Top of the World might have been just before it. Um, and, that's another perennial favorite of mine. And the weirdness that is the Black Cauldron going into yes. the animated stuff. Yeah, that, 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 one one is is, that one is a weird... Well, okay, if, if, if you've not read Lord, Lloyd Alexander's uh, 
Pyrian? Is that the name? Prydain. 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 Uh, is five? Is it five? Quintet? I think, I, I think it's five books. A set of books. Yeah. Go find Lloyd Alexander's books that starts with the Book of Three. Um, and they're and I, wonderful. I want to say it's five books. They're a little dark. They're kids' books, but they're a little dark. I, I, I do want to tell you, as somebody who cut my teeth on The Lord of the Rings at 12... I try. I stumbled across Lloyd Alexander at fifteen, and it was too childish for me because I had already cut my right. my teeth on the fucking Lord of the Rings. So I need to, I need to warn you. You need to dial it way back. That um, it is Celtic mythology, but it is very much written as juvenile literature. Yes. Now, if you accept that, they're really good books. I, but they yeah. are juvenile literature. They are super yeah. fun. I, I was introduced to it in sixth grade by my, by one of my teachers, and. There's there's an oracular pig. What what where where do you go wrong with an oracular pig? <laughs> the pig can tell the future. And the animated film based on it, it it's not a great movie. I no. will say that right now. No. It is poorly paced and it's but, weird. But, but boy, it is a strong female protagonist. It, it's strong female protagonist and some really wicked animation. Yeah, there's some it's really beautiful amazing, motion capture. Amazing animation. Um and and you watch it go, this was Disney? Because it is dark. dark. It's dark Dark. and it's it's just fucking weird. I mean, you talk about the oracular pig, but the thing is, if you just start watching the Black Cauldron and suddenly the pig starts telling the future, like, what the actual fuck is happening right now? Well, well, again, my mom... what the actual fuck? To to, to, to wrap back around, my mom being my mom and not wanting me to get involved in anything occultish, when she found out that we were listening to my teacher read the Book of Three, she had to read it to make sure it was okay for me to be listening. And the fact that, you know, there's human wax candles mm-hmm. referenced in the book. And, and she's like, I don't know if this is appropriate. She's like, Mom, get over it. And so it was, yeah, it was good, a thing. Good for you. Good for you. Oh, no. I, the number of times I've had to tell my mom to get over it or she's being paranoid or just being stupid. Uh, to, uh, to, I don't have enough fingers and toes. But. <laughs> okay, um, you've called dibs on Fury Road. No, 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 no. I no, did, I, no, you said Fury Road first. No, no, no you, you take it. Oh, I wait, wait, we can both do Fury Road. You can okay. take it. No, no, no. We both can. Because it could... Okay, listeners, if you have not seen Fury Road yet, <laughs> we will both tell you to go fucking see go Fury Road. Go fucking see Fury Road. Go oh my God. fucking see Fury Road. Because it is amazing. I feel like, yeah, maybe the double team on this will more fully encapsulate yeah. how much you need. I am not joking. It's one of the best films in the last decade. Yeah, it, it seriously is. I will have to go check it out because I'm a big fan of the original Fury Road. So. Okay, here's what I found out. When Fury Road started hitting on my Facebook feed from all of my friends who were seeing Sneaks, that is at the point that my husband said, you do know I've never seen a Mad Max film. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And he's like, I told you this and we've never done it. I'm like, what? Okay, so in the last week, like every other night, we have watched... The Mad Max trilogy, mm-hmm. you know, so we started with Mad Max. I'm like, I need you to remember this is a B film. This is a, an exploitation film. This is a revenge flick. You just Welcome need to... to Thunderdome, bitch. No, it's way, way down there. Like, I need you to take it, take it down a notch right. and understand that this is the beginning. And Mad Max is enjoyable. But at the end, Chris is like, I don't understand how this has such a high rating on the IMDb. Seriously. I mean, it's, it's fun, but it's not like it's good and i'm like the reason it's got that rating is because of the fucking road warrior which we're gonna watch next and then it just sort of washes back on mad max we watch road warrior and chris like oh my god that film was just yeah perfect it's like literally perfect Uh uh-huh literally perfect. i'm like i know 
right? It is. It's amazing. It's just like a master class. And by the way, this is filmmaking. Yeah. And it, it's, it's beautiful. It is. And, amazing. and I mean, it's just great action. It's great storytelling. It's economical. And it's, it is actually just beautiful in terms of cinematography. Then we watch Thunderdome and Chris is like, well, it's slower. It's different. I'm like, yes, this it's one is Tina Turner. This one is more about <laughs> the stories we tell to make sense of a world gone mad. This is about mythology. We, we don't need another hero. <laughs> we don't need to know the way. They're saying, I'm going to drink. <laughs> She's got those giant mesh shoulder pads. Uh-huh. So and the biceps. Oh no, the auntie in the the wig. Auntie oh, entity uh-huh. is the well, shit. Well, that, that see, wig that master blaster. That movie that needed some Grace Jones. Is what that movie needed. No, I disagree strongly. <laughs> Because Tina Turner nails it. She just, oh, oh, not, 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 not to no, Tina, it would but. No, it would take away from the Tina Turner. Trust me. Okay. Having just rewatched it. And so, you know, and then there's Thunderdome. So that's what I... I had just rewatched all the movies when I went into Fury Road. And I'm like, oh, God, you managed to top Road Warrior. Oh, my Okay, that's God. high praise. Yes. That is high praise. I don't know if it quite reaches Road Warrior, but it is... At least equal. It is at least equal, and I feel like the the difference is that much, it's, and it's, it's based on personal preference. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's I, totally perfect. Yeah, yeah. Now, Road, Road Warrior, for me, is a movie I watch, like, every six months. It's like, on the one hand, Road so. Warrior has Mel Gibson. Well, yeah. On the other hand, Fury Road has Charlize Theron. Hmm. And we already know from listening to my t- Facebook feed that Tom Brady... Tom Hardy. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. What the hell? <laughs> Tom, that would be interesting. <laughs> I know, right? Tom Hardy, I feel like, is a bit of meh in the middle of it. You know, well, here's the thing about Fury Road. Because I, I just mean, rewatched all of oh, the yeah. Mel Gibson, and once you've rewatched those, that recently you're like, I'm sorry, Mel Gibson, charisma and star power. Tom Hardy, Mm. Well, here's the thing, though. That's Tom right. Hardy is playing a character in Fury Road where he's the Rhodes and Crans and Guildenstern of Charlize Theron's Hamlet. That is true. Ooh. But... <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I like that. It's, it's very true. Nonetheless, if you had put a Brad Pitt in that role... True. A Brad Pitt would have made that role without Although, taking anything away from I, Charlize I Theron. I wouldn't want Brad Pitt as Mad Max. But I'm anyway, talking, I, 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 know I, you, I, I know you want... So, like I'm talking a, about that nebulous star quality. A fassbender. <laughs> yeah, like somebody who, who draws <laughs> your attention, who you can't help, yeah. but everything they do, you're like, yes. Yeah. Okay, with, but anyway. This, without taking it, anything away from Charlize Theron, who does have that magical it. I yeah. think we can all agree that yeah, Charlize it, it's Theron, it's amazing. whatever it is, she has it. Holy shit. There, there are so many things that movie does right, and we shouldn't wax too much more operatic about well, it there because is no... people go see it. Oh my God. And, and, and go see it. Holt. Go see it in the theater. Now. Go see it in a theater with good sound. With super good sound. I regret that I saw it with a the- in a theater where the sound could have been better. All right. So that has been our episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with our special guest, Cedius. Hello, I am Cedius. Cedius Scotchbringer, who totally brought the scotch, as well as the Disney live action urban fantasy movies. I love how many modifiers there are in that phrase. I know. Isn't it great? I know. So I have been one of your co-hosts, Wendy. And of course, I was joined by... Melissa. And we thank you so much for listening. And we hope that you will go and answer our questions and seek out some of these fantastic Disney movies. If you've never watched them, they really are really good. 
Like, even as an adult, good. Oh, so yeah, super good. Go seek them out. And so thank you, and go find some scotch, and yeah, we'll talk to you later. Yay, bye. Woo! Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. to determine if I need to crank up the volume a little bit. I might. Pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. Pump up the volume. Dance. Dance. Dance.